Good morning. Thankful to see each of you here today. We're thankful for our visitors. We're glad you've chosen a day to be with us. If you'd open up your Bibles, we're going to briefly touch upon uh, 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 47, is, uh, is our main text here, or our launching point. This is more of a topical sermon. But uh, he, the psalmist there, King David, writes, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock. And exalted be the God of the rock of my salvation. You know, God is the rock of our salvation. We live in a time of a great turbulence in our world. Things are very unstable. You look around us, things going on, war overseas, trouble at home, uh, social upheaval, political upheaval, economic upheaval, and uh, most especially religious upheaval. We see that in our society. You know, uh, David writes Psalm, I say Psalm, it's Psalm, found in Psalm 18 as well. The same words are found there. But uh, his prayer, his Psalm, found in Psalm 18 and, and 2 Samuel chapter 22, comes uh, at the end, near the end of his life. The uh, Philistines have finally, the thorn in the side of Israel for uh, generations, have finally been put down. And so uh, he calls upon the Lord, who is the one who has delivered them. As we see uh, in Psalms 18, verses 1 through 3, he says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength and whom I trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. You know, throughout the Psalms, the terms rock or strength or horn connects God to our salvation. As we saw there in Psalms 18, verses 1 through 3. Uh, in Psalms 62, verses 1 and 2, he says, There truly my soul waiteth upon God, from, whom, uh, from him cometh my salvation. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. And then in Psalms 95 and verse 1, the psalmist there says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And so the psalmist here recognizes that Jehovah, God is the creator of all things, and he is the rock of salvation. And so we would do well to learn what this means, uh, salvation. Uh, what is salvation? How is God the rock of our salvation? You know, the subject of our salvation. You know, uh, the word uh, translated in the New Testament, trans, or translated as uh, salvation, comes from the Greek word sozo, which means to, to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. And so we see that uh, it is used uh, physically in some ways, such as uh, to save a suffering one or one who is perishing or suffering one from perishing or suffering from disease or to make well, to heal, restore to health found in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 22, where it says, Jesus turned about and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. 
And so there the woman was made whole. She was saved from that disease that she had been having for many years. It had been afflicting her. She was saved by her faith because she touched the hem of the garment of Jesus, if you'll remember. And so she was saved. She was restored to health. But most especially the word sozo is used of spiritual salvation. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. And then uh, in Matthew 1 verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. And we understand that uh, Jesus uh, translates to uh, God is our salvation. And so uh, we see that Jesus uh, is the one who brings that salvation to us spiritually. He saves us. And so uh, there's two uses of the term, again, uh, for salvation as far as spiritual is concerned. There is that of eternal salvation, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, and being made the author of eternal salvation uh, unto all them that obey him. And then there is that idea of salvation from past sins. Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And so it is that salvation from past sins. Which leads to our eternal salvation when we are faithful. And so we must obtain forgiveness of sins. Before we can have the eternal salvation. And we must be faithful unto death. In order to have that crown of life. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. You know some synonyms with salvation. You know uh, we see uh, the idea of redemption. To be redeemed. To, this literally means to buy back. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. We see it. Uh, it speaks of Christ. Who gave himself for us. That he might redeem us from all iniquity. And purifying themselves a, unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And then, of course, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, where we're told about the value of our redemption, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so salvation is synonymous with a redemption. Also synonymous with this idea is justified. And I always think of justified, and you just kind of say it, justified never sin. It is the idea of being take your sins being completely taken away. We see this uh, emphasized over and over in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But verse 24 says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so we're justified because we are redeemed. Uh, in, Psalms chapter, or in Romans 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. And so the idea of being justified. Of having our sins taken away. And, and being made pure once more. 
is involved in that uh, idea of salvation. And then also uh, the idea of sanctification, of uh, being set apart. And John 17 and verse 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. Over in Acts chapter 26, as Paul recounts the mission that God or Christ had given him, that he was to go to the Gentiles, and that he was to, in verse 18, open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in Christ Jesus. And so those that have received forgiveness, uh, those that have received that inheritance, they are the ones that are sanctified by faith. They are set apart. And then we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, he talks about uh, some of the past sins that people had been involved in, the kinds of people that they used to be. He says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, uh, ye are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so we see that they were sanctified, they were unjustified, they were set apart to God, having their sins uh, taken away, being made righteous. And so we see uh, what it means to be, uh, what salvation means, what the idea, the concept of salvation is to have your sins taken away, to be bought back with a price, redeemed by the blood of Christ, justified, brought into a right relationship with God, the same relationship we once had before we sinned and came short of the glory of God. And then sanctified, set apart, made holy and separate. We see that salvation was demanded because man has a need for salvation. Man needs salvation. You think about the nature of man. We're not suggesting that man has a sinful nature or that he's born with a sinful nature. Again, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, sin is a decision we make. Sin is something that we do. A sin, uh, we are guilty of our own sin, not the sin of others. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, Therefore, or wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Yes, Adam was the first man to sin. He ushered sin into the world, so to speak. But he uh, did not pass the guilt of that sin on to you and me. We uh, assume the guilt of sin when we sin. <coughs> and all have sinned. So sin is not inherited. You think about where sin comes from. Look over in James 1. James 1, beginning in verse 13. It says there, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You know, sin, uh, temptation comes from our own lust. The things that we lust for, we are tempted by those things. 
And when we are drawn away of our own lust and entice, that's what temptation is. When we act upon that temptation, that is sin. And the wages of sin, Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us, is death. And so sin is not inherited. It is our own lust that draw us away. And our own decisions that cause us to sin. And so uh, sin or salvation is demanded because of the nature of sin. Uh, because of the nature of man. Because of the nature of sin itself. You know, sin is the transgression of God's law. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. Sin is what separates us from God. In Psalm, or Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. It is sin that separates us from God. And separation from God is spiritual death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the second half says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we see that the need uh, for salvation because man cannot save himself. Man cannot of himself uh, follow in God's will without obeying him and without uh, studying his word that has been revealed to us. Man cannot save himself. We see the salvation of God demonstrated, first of all, in God's grace. Titus 2 and verse 11 says, For the grace that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. You know, Jesus died for all men. The grace that brings salvation, notice that grace is not salvation. Grace makes salvation possible. It, the grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. We also see it demonstrated in our faith in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. We're simply told, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. The end of our faith, the, the, the purpose for our faith brings about salvation. Uh, notice, uh, though, it's not faith alone. In James chapter 2 verses 17 and 18. It says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. And as we come down to verse 26, for even as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And so our faith uh, demonstrates salvation. It brings about salvation. Uh, but it's through our obedience to God's law. You know, back in Titus chapter 2 and verse 12, it uh, says, teaching us, after saying that the grace that brings salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. You know, it is conditioned upon our obedience. Matthew 7 verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, not everyone that just expresses faith that I am Lord. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, now I can't say it, uh, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Then again, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now our salvation is not from any one thing alone. It's from our complete obedience to God's will. We see also the source of our salvation. You know, uh, though man needs salvation, it's not from within man. We need to consider the source of where salvation comes from. Ephesians 2 verses 12 and 13 says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You know, man can do all in his power and yet be without hope from God. Be without hope without God. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23 says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself, it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. You know, salvation uh, comes from, from God. Uh, really, all three persons of the Godhead have a part in our salvation. Of course, we understand God the Father. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so it comes from God the Father. Romans 5 verse 8. But God committed His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then of course uh, the Son played a part. Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. Uh, Paul wrote, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And then Again, Matthew 1, verse 21, you shall call him his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And we see also the Spirit is involved in the, uh, uh, our salvation through the revelation of God's truth. You know, Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, of course, it's found today in the written word. It says that there, Romans 8, 14 through 17, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. And so be that we uh, suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. We're led by the Spirit when we allow God's Word. When we study it, we allow it to guide us. And we uh, dedicate our life to following it. 
following God's Word revealed by the Holy Spirit. And so we see God the Father sent the Son to die upon the cross. The Son willingly came and gave His life. He said, no man take it away from me. I lay it down. And then the Spirit revealed it to us through the Word of God. You know, uh, the source displayed. Bert Thompson wrote this. He said, regardless of how desperate or how pitiful man's condition has become, one thing is certain. God had no obligation to provide a means of salvation for the ungrateful creature who so haughtily turned away from him. His law and his benef- turned away from him, his law and his beneficence. The scriptures make this apparent when they discuss the fact that angels sinned, found in 2 Peter 2 4 and Jude uh, verse 6. And yet Hebrews 2.16 says, Not to angels doth he give help, but he giveth help to the seed of Abraham. The rebellious creatures that once inhabited heaven's portals were not provided a redemptive plan. But man was. Little wonder the psalmist uh, inquired, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And so to angels God made no plan for their salvation, but to man... He made a plan for us to be saved. You know, when man sinned, God set in motion a plan. Culminated 4,000 years later in the death of His only begotten Son on a Roman cross. Now you may ask, why didn't God send His Son there in the garden? Why didn't He redeem man right then and there? Because man did not fully appreciate sin and its consequences. And so we read in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. When man sinned, God set in motion a plan that He already had from the moment of creation. It was a plan that was eternal. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 11 says, According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Uh, we have salvation according to the eternal purpose of God. Eternally purposed in his son Christ. Though man did not deserve salvation. God offered salvation anyway. Why would he do that? Well, first of all, because he is a God of mercy. Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. We see the greatness of his love which led to his mercy. Mercy means that we don't get that which we deserve. The punishment that we Justly deserve. That's what mercy is. His mercy is shown in his long suffering with man. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, we see the greatness of his love, of his long suffering, of his mercy. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
It is not God's desire that anyone be lost. He wants all men to be saved. Every one of us. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. It says an account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul also according to his wisdom. Has given unto him. Given unto him hath written unto you. So with understanding of man's need of salvation. And, and the source of man's salvation. We can better understand the nature of that salvation. You know uh, it is. The substance of our salvation is the rock. The rock that is Christ Jesus. You know, we understand the difference between rock and sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And it was destroyed when the rains descended and the floods came. But not the man who built his house upon his rock. His house stood. You know, the rock uh, is divine. The rock is Christ. You know, the rock is powerful through the gospel. Uh, Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, the Lord's church was built upon a rock. Matthew 16, 18. Uh, Peter, Jesus said, And thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The rock is not Peter. The rock is the confession Peter made in verse 16. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The rock is our defender. You know, by being in God's kingdom, we have a fortress. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28 says, We receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. And so it is firm. Nothing can harm us. Except for ourselves. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, We know that all good things or all things work together for good to them that love the God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Verse 31 says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Verse 35, uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death, or nor death, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor principalities. Say that again. Uh, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can, though, separate ourselves. There is no external force that we cannot resist that can pull us away from God. The only thing that can pull us away from God is when we are drawn away of our own lust and enticed, and when we give in to that enticement and we sin and separate ourselves from God. And so the rock is our defender. He will defend us. He, he will keep us. And so we need to put our trust and our hope and our faith in Him. You know, the fact is that man is stained with sin when he commits sin. That sin is not inherited, but he, it, we become stained with sin when we choose to transgress God's law. Without sin, we are without God with sin, excuse me, 
with sin, we are separated from God and without hope. But not hopeless. If we choose to accept God and His plan that He has provided, there is hope. You know, uh, the prophet Isaiah spoke to the people of God that had turned so far away from God. In Isaiah 1 and verse 18, he said, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You know, God has done His part. He has extended His grace. He has given His Son. But man has to respond to the invitation and obey His command. Again, in Isaiah 1, 19, He said, If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. You know, He required obedience of the Israelites. He requires obedience from us today. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. You know, salvation from God is rock solid based on promises of an eternal God who is our rock. You know, when we see the, the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2, when Peter made that great uh, conclusion to a sermon that Jesus Christ... The one you have crucified hath God made both Lord and Christ. They cried out. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter answered them and said, uh, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to all your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Well, we see that they recognized their need for salvation. They recognized that Jesus was the one who had died for their sins. And they wanted to know what to do. They were told to change their life, to turn away from sin, and to be baptized to wash away their sin. So that promise was to them, to the Jews, but also to all those that the Lord our God will call. Today He calls all men, Jew and Gentile alike, He calls all men through the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. Today if you're here and you've not uh, obeyed Him by being baptized into Christ, we urge you today to do so if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. If you're willing to repent of your sins and confess your faith in Him, then you can be baptized with the remission of your sins and walk from this place today with a recognition of salvation. If you are here today as one who is a Christian, but you have not been walking as you ought. God has, uh, you know, Christ's blood is still available to you. You will confess your sins, repent of your sins, and pray for forgiveness. Today, if we can help you today to respond to the Lord's invitation, let us know as we stand and sing.